Welcome to Open Sources Guelph. You're on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson, talking fast from Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Scotty Hertz. And Adam, I'm thinking about changing my name to Bong Bong. Did you ever think we'd have a, an international leader whose name was Bong Bong? And that uh, must be Filipino for junior, right? If people don't know, Bong Bong Marcos is now the president of the... Uh, yeah, because it was so great for those 20 years that somebody named Fernand Marcos was the head of the Philippines. They decided to do it all over again. Yeah, and you Duarte's know, and the, daughter is the VP. It's like, oh boy, what's going on here? I'm sure, right. I'm sure it'll be a topic for a future show. It's it's so nice when these legacy kids get a shot. Oh, you know, oh man. Uh, open sources is for use political and current affairs discussion show, and you can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians, which this week will be. Uh, running in Guelph for this provincial election, Communist Party candidate Juanita Burnett. Juanita will kick off our series of interviews with people running in Guelph this provincial election, and she will talk about her party's agenda, why she's running, and what issues she is hoping to make an impact with on the campaign trail. That's going to be at the bottom of the hour. Before that, we're going to talk about some of the news items from the last week including the likely end of Roe v. Wade in some parts of the United States. Uh, The landmark decision legislating legal abortion will likely end next month. But is there enough juice in the American left to save it? That's a complicated question. But first, Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, our own elections here. Uh, The Ontario election is on now. Uh, Well, I mean, there's lots of stuff we can cover perhaps the story of the day is the revelation that uh the education minister stephen lecce during his time as a student as the president of a fraternity at western was involved in a slave auction as a fundraiser uh this has uh really kind of stirred things up on the campaign trail uh, because stephen lecce was let's just say not a popular guy in some quarters given his tenure as education minister with the teacher strikes and schools opening and closing but uh probably the last two words you want to attach to one of your candidates is slave auction yeah <laughs> our first scandal breaking <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, actually it's not it's it's not the first but it's not the first but it's our like the, the freshest one let's say but it's the freshest one that's right yeah i mean as I've always and it's only 2006 too. It's not as if I mean I I hate to say this, but I remember a so-called slave auction when I was in high school. But that was a heck of a long time ago. It wasn't right then. And I think they changed it to Butler or Mm. something. Right Mm -hmm. now, it would be personal assistant or who knows. It it doesn't. It's irrelevant. (laughs) The fact that it happened in 2006 is like whoa. Mm -hmm. So of course the other parties are saying he's not fit to be a candidate, but I would have said that because he shouldn't just elect frat boys whose only job has ever been to work for a party and do <laughs> nothing else with their lives. That's the real reason. Although this one is equally as bad. Um, so yeah, he apologized, but he had, it, I, it sounds like he didn't really address it directly. He didn't say I was indeed a slave in the slave auction. So there's lots of work to be done there, but another breaking scandal too, that I saw just before, uh, uh, we came on here. Adam was a liberal candidate. Do you hear about this guy in Perry Sound, Muskoka? Mm. The long shot candidate 
Oh my goodness. I thought I'd scratched his name down. I missed it. But anyway, breaking news fired from the campaign trail because he said, quote, homosexuality is caused by rebreathing at birth. He wrote a whole book about it. Didn't mm-hmm. disclose it in the vetting. And uh, so no one knew about this self-published book that probably didn't sell any copies. Um, now the liberals uh, expected to win Perry Sound Muskoka anyway, but I mean, that's obviously not doing the homework, right? Yeah, I'm looking at the star story right now. His name's Barry Stanley. And yep. I mean, if you <laughs> if you want to look, if, if, if there was a, a, dic- a dictionary definition of old white homophobe, this guy's picture would definitely be next to it. Um, unfortunately, you should really read that article. It's just it's so ridiculous. But well, what's interesting, too, is that uh, if we recall last week's conversation about the election, Perry Samuskoka is one of the places I identified that could be a green pickup. So if the liberal guy is out, I mean, I don't think nominations have closed yet, but I mean, that's, it's tough to hop into a campaign in motion Mm -hmm. no matter what time it is. So, I mean, that's not, not that you want to just look at things through a purely political lens, but I mean, that's, that's probably good news for the Michael Richter campaign at this moment. I mean, it's, it, I think, kind of shadows what happened in Kitchener Center where Mike Morris won um, last fall where the liberal candidate there had to bow out for um, let's say personal reasons. reasons. Yeah. yeah. So um, I mean that that that's a race to watch. I mean it was mm-hmm. a race to watch before but it's almost definitely a race to watch now. The other scandal um, was broken by Press Progress um, which is uh, no, not press progress. That was they broke the Leche scandal, but the other one was broken was it by. Global? I think so. It was global. Yeah. Mm-hmm. First, Lisa McLeod. Uh, it turns out one hundred sixty-five thousand dollars isn't enough for some people. She needed an extra twenty-six thousand dollars from her writing association for a housing top-up. Um, and then uh, they dug deeper and found eight other candidates uh, who have gotten various sums. Uh, some of them, like Greg. Rickford are cabinet ministers. Um, and if you don't know, you have your base MPP salary. If you're a cabinet minister, you get, uh, I don't know what the technical name is, but it's like an additional stipend. And it's like it's, a uh, top up, right? Or- yeah, it's a top up. Uh, I don't, top up sounds so silly, but. Uh, <laughs> Shades <laughs> but, of gasoline, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, which so they didn't Greg, have to pay for because they were topped up with uh, riding money. Yeah, right. Well, this is it. They were they were basically essentially paying for travel, um, accommodation, and entertainment in some cases. Um, and I, unfortunately, this Leche thing has sort of blotted out the sun on this because I would love to be able to hear Doug Ford explain how this isn't the gravy train as defined by him and his brother back in the in in the glory days on Toronto city council. This is gravy. They hated, they hated gravy. I thought they hated gravy, but here there are eight people, including cabinet ministers in the Tory caucus who are drinking the gravy. Yeah. (laughs) Big gravy boat. (laughs) Swimming in the gravy boat. And it should be mentioned that no, like what they were doing isn't illegal, Mm -hmm. but it sure as hell is out of touch considering the narrative that comes from conservatives about, you know, when you've got people on ODSP that are living on nothing, right? Basically, yeah. And yet, you know, this this stipend, even McLeod alone, 
stipend probably would have paid for a bunch of people to be in. You know, you know what I mean? Like the the it is an apples apples comparison. Uh, anyway, yeah. So yeah, the, it it got broadsided completely by Lecce and his and his frat boy idiocy. But that's uh, <clears throat> for you know the voters to decide. Up right. that way but yeah also this that the um top up scandal you call it i guess <laughs> top up led <laughs> top up gate led led breaking led to uh doug ford pretty much running away from the northern debate q a no scrumming it up there because yeah. i think this was simmering um and you know not looking good the uh, northern debate is is sort of a preview for what's gonna ha- is it monday out of the mix of my days up already there's so much happening yeah the primetime debate is monday the primetime debate is monday so it's you know the, the the preview was the north and all four made it because uh, doug ford has missed a few already um and if mm-hmm. he doesn't come armed with a teleprompter then <laughs> it's all uh, double negatives and 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 wacky but uh supposedly I don't know about a winner up there. Uh, Mike Schreiner also placed really well, but it was mentioned that uh, Del Duca, no notes, and also 70 minutes, 70 minutes in the scrum afterwards with no notes. And every mm-hmm. reporter that was there commented Twitter and other places like, you know, they haven't seen that kind of thing in a long time because somebody like Doug Ford so reliant on the notes. And even to some degree, uh, Andrea Horvath, right? It was, it's been commented. It's like, okay, she's been in the game a really long time. Is it why is she so reliant on papers? I guess it's you want to stick to the message, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But I thought that was interesting because you don't really hear about people freewheeling questions anymore. It just doesn't happen. Even Trudeau, like it's all very formulaic, right? So part of of that that was interesting to me. But yeah, part of that has been, of course, um, the pandemic and the the fairly ordered and restrictive and structured, you know, Mm -hmm. virtual, um, virtual, you know, conferences where everybody gets one question and one follow-up. And maybe if there's time after they can, they can come back around again and get additional questions, but it's um, that kind of order and structure. The few sort of in-person announcements I've been to is still there. Like it's um, I was, I was talking to somebody about going to Mike Schreiner's office opening and how his, his campaign manager comes out and starts giving a speech and she like leaves room for the applause (laughs) at at the big, you know, the beginning of the event, she's leaving room for the applause and like note in brackets, it says applause. (laughs) Right. But the the, the funny thing was like, nobody clapped because no, nobody, you know, you don't clap (laughs) when you go to virtual things or you do the hand wave or the jazz hands or whatever. So yeah, so yeah the, the people have gotten used to a certain, a certain rhythm to things, but uh, I think we should call this debate by its official name or by the, the people hosting it, which is Phenom, uh, the Federation of Northern Municipalities, Northern Ontario <laughs> Municipalities, Phenom. Um, they sit yeah. at a round table with bright lights on their faces. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, that's yeah it's, like. it's moderated by a snowman. No, wait, that's Phenom. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's um Phenom, I, did, yeah. I did i was tuning in and out of the debate but um it was amazing i mean we've sort again we've seen this with the ads too that there's been a lot of focus on del duca and you know perhaps you know the the debate gave people an opportunity to see just like maybe why um doug ford and andrea harvard i think he's so scary you know he, he turned out like i don't think it was an exceptional performance but considering that you know both Horvath and Ford were taking turns coming up to him, trying to push him down, and he wouldn't go down. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it was like debate-wise speaking, it was a great performance. Maybe not charis- charis- uh, charisma-wise speaking, um, he, I don't think he's that guy. But I mean, if if you're looking for someone who you know can talk, 
uh, can stay on point, knows his, his facts, knows his policy, knows his stats. Mm-hmm. Um, and isn't, you know, yelling. I mean, there was a lot of that crosstalk. I found the layout of the debate really interesting where you have Del Duca, Ford and Horvath. And then at the end you have Schreiner and apparently they figured out who the order by like an order of draw. And it just so happened that, that, that Mike was at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, it, it it fascinated me that you have this this situation where you have the three who are like busy trying to wrestle and uh, out, you know, out. Um, I guess you know, ad lib each other, and then you have Mike at the side, kind of staying out of the fray. It it, it kind of worked out beautifully for. Yeah. <laughs> and, in, and in some ways, that would give you a bit more freedom too, right? Because you're not. Mm-hmm. You know, you're always on the attack at these things, but uh, yeah, it, it there was that weird uh, dynamic where they <laughs> went after Del Duca and who didn't build absolutely nothing. That to me was the line. Of the, <laughs> who didn't build nothing? <laughs> yeah, bum. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. It's like, oh, Doug, when you when you stray from those notes, it's just so painful. Well, I mean, it also opinion. brings. I mean, it also brings a lot of his his you know, flubs and foibles, like in question period, like that time when um, he got up a question period and, and, you know, went after Andrew Horvath, like, all you do is sit there and say no. And he, he bring, you know, he brings that to the debate. I mean, I've seen some of that in the conservative ads too, but then when you, you go out in the debate stage, you're like, all you do is sit there and say, no, it's like, well, like Andrew Horvath's job's not to prop up your government guy. Uh, I'm really not. And plus, you know, NDP, PC, very different government styles you know it's uh uh it's it's kind of not her job to to make your life easier um that's really not how government works but what do i know what's his line you and your leftist activist friends and yeah he's just got like about three lines that he uses but very cool i did find this i did find this interesting given our conversation before the show one of the people caught up in um top off gate was uh belinda caraholios no. <laughs> she got eleven hundred dollars for child care well she oh. was still a conservative mp so i mean she's not the worst offender but um bet she, <laughs> bet she missed that extra child care expense yeah. and considering <laughs> considering how much planning complaining she's gonna do about the pcs or has been it's like hmm. yeah yeah no top-ups with the true blues probably well uh, they have to get official party status yeah exactly right so, uh there has to be more job. there has to be more than one of them there uh let's just say that uh moving away from the provincial election for at least a couple of minutes um down in the united states there was a leaked decision first time this has ever happened in anyone's memory a leaked decision from the supreme court that uh, essentially uh, this case um, in from Mississippi, they thought it would be some sort of repeal of some element of Roe v. Wade. Nope. Uh, Justice Samuel Alito went for full uh, repeal of Roe v. Wade, the landmark Supreme Court case from 50 years ago, technically 49 years ago, mm-hmm. that made abortion legal in the United States. Uh, quoting some uh, witch burners in there too. So he was going way back for some justification. <laughs> um, so like he was clearly uh, keeping his powder dry for this one. But uh, uh, so, I mean, this is, this is a, a really sad situation. A lot of women in the United States are expecting and preparing for the worst now. Um, and uh, the question is, can anything be done? 
Well, that's that is the great question. That's you know the grenade finally blew. They've been chipping <laughs> away and chipping away. I think probably since it passed, mm-hmm. there's been this. I hate to say progressive, but that's what it is. It's just a- any chance that they can get to uh, attack this long-standing law, um, and but now and and everyone knew that this was coming with the appointment of the uh, of the tr- the Trump judges. What was Trump's line? It was like there has to be some kind of punishment for the woman. I mean, it, it yeah. was all. This has been on simmer. The leak is interesting too. I, I don't think enough attention has been paid to that. It's like somebody, somebody. Mm-hmm. Maybe more than one uh, in the machine felt that this needed to get out, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that that's it's huge, and it's just a draft. So the drafts do change, but I'm I'm sure the spirit of the thing is going to stay the same. Which is um, Alito's argument is well, you know, the right to abortion isn't deeply rooted in American law, and as you say, going back in time for all these, um, didn't you go back as far as the 12th century? Is like what are you mm-hmm. talking about? Mm-hmm. So no doubt all that will probably change on the 10th draft or however many they go through. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, um, and of course, a lot of the states have uh, what's called trigger laws queued up. Some of them are quite retro. Uh, Michigan will go back presumably to a 1930s law about abortion in Wisconsin, 1850s. So, and they're trying to madly retool, I would imagine, to is particularly uh, Democrat. Uh, states and speaking of that too also just before uh, we sat down to record the uh, women's health protection act mm. uh, failed in the um, in the senate which was the the democrats quick response i'm sure they've they have things on standby for just such occasions and since this we knew this was coming to the fore uh they tried to pass it, but it was 50, 51 to 49. And Manchin, uh, Democrat Manchin, went uh, went with the Republicans. Mm-hmm. Some of the comments were it's overly broad. It would expand abortion. Uh, these people want no limits. And the usual, as mentioned previous topic, far left activists. Um, I don't think that that's the case, but uh, that's that's where that stands. So that was a fail. So I think it's 60. That's not super majority, but Senate is like 60-40, right? Mm-hmm. 60% for things to pass, at least big ticket stuff like this. So, yeah, Joe Manchin uh, continues to be the world's greatest disappointment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I don't understand. I don't understand what he's thinking anyway. Mm. Um, yeah. They, I mean, it's part of a concerning trend um, in, uh, in the United States and we can port to abortion and, what's about to happen and say, wow, this is horrible. But I mean, it, here's the thing that I was, you know, sort of going over today. Uh, 25 of the candidates that Donald Trump has endorsed for the various races in the 2022 election. So you know, house races, Senate races, um, local state house races, 25 have been charged with some kind of domestic crime or sexual assault or yeah really that high 25 (laughs) or they've been accused Uh, i can't remember which one if they've been accused or tried um but 25 and among them is this guy charles herbster who um was a a candidate to run to for the gop nomination to run for governor of nebraska he lost fortunately but in the last several weeks like multiple women including a state senator have come forward 
um, to talk about how he's like assaulted them, including uh, in the case of this state senator. Um, she said he put his hand up her skirt like at a public event, and there are witnesses to this. But Charles Herbster is his name. Um, there's this other guy, uh, Max. I think it's his name's Max Miller. Yeah, Max Miller. He's running for Congress in Ohio. He was in the Trump administration. Uh, he has clear and, and Politico did a whole not Guelph Politico, other Politico, <laughs> um, <laughs> original Politico uh, did a whole thing uh sort of whole like research piece uh backgrounder about max miller and it's like he has had anger management issues going back to when he was a teenager and he's had to do like diversion classes and the most recent kind of example of his anger and (laughs) women of violence against women issues was that he's apparently in a relationship with Stephanie Grisham, one of the former press secretaries of the White House, where he threw her up against the wall and slapped her, um, according to her. So, like, these are... Uh, and then here's the coup de grace. This guy, Andrew Wilhoot, who ran for the board... Actually, he, it's more than likely he's going to end up on the board of Clinton Township, which is a small town of less than a 1,000 people in Indiana. But he ran his campaign. Guess from where? Uh, a Chick-fil-A. No, jail. He's (laughs) he's currently awaiting trial for, guess what charge? Uh, Domestic assault. Uh, Sort of, but more severe. Uh, He is... Who? His wife. Yes. He's been charged with the first degree murder of his wife, and he's running for office in his small town. Wow. So all these uh, fine, upstanding citizens of the United States are we're supposed to, like... Right. Well, not we, but Amer- <laughs> you know, people who <laughs> people in America are just supposed to accept their opinions on things. Yeah. Like there's a bunch of abortion. wife beaters. Yeah. There's a bunch of wife beaters going to your state mm. house or your Congress, uh, your city hall. Yeah. You're saying there's zero respect for women. Yeah. Well, not unlike Trump. I mean, do, do people honestly believe that Trump has never, ever paid for someone to get an abortion? I don't believe that. I like, 100% b- believe that a woman went to Don because we know from Stormy Daniels that he doesn't cover up. Yeah. He's, I, I guarantee you in his 75 years on planet Earth, some woman has gone up to him to tell him she's pregnant and he's handed her a wad of cash and said, take care of it. I guarantee that's going to Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. I a hundred percent. I don't know that it's true. I just know that it is <laughs> speculative, but yeah. <laughs> it just, it's on, let's, let's say it's on brand. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I didn't know we were going to end up talking so much about Trump, but we did like, because it's, it's just, Oh, it's just so ridiculous and maddening. I mean, it, um, I, and it, it is for, uh, well, I'm not speaking as men, but as mm-hmm. you know, being Canadians, mm. it was, it is amazing how much, bleed there is from this up here it was like because right it was the top story on cbc when this broke it was like rover swing everything's gonna change but it's it's still a very american story right the american uh the you know alita was saying abortion isn't deeply rooted one thing it is is a theocratic rule right especially now i found out that um in reading a bit about the original roe versus wade that it was a seven to two decision at the supreme court yeah five were republicans Four appointed by Nixon, yeah. Four appointed by Nixon and two Democrats for seven to two decision on this law. Yeah. Right? So how much has changed within that period of time where it's just automatically the judges, there's a dividing line. It's like okay, Trump appointed these people and we know that they're 
anti-abortion or pro-life, depending on how you put it. Well, I mean, it's it's then there's like the rest, right? Right. It's the same with Sandra Day O'Connor. She was appointed by Reagan. Anthony Kennedy, uh, I I think, was a Reagan appointee, or may have been Bush one. But you know, there used to be some. I mean, there still is general consensus that this is an important right for women to have, but. Um, it's certainly not reflected in the Supreme Court, which um, everyone has been pulling their hair out about this. They're so concerned about this, the safety of Kavanaugh and Gorsuch and Alito with all of these people holding candles in front of their houses, which I mean, as it turns out, there, there was a story that Alito had had to be moved to an oh. undisclosed location for safety, which turned out to be bunk because um some some reporter somewhere like tracked down the person who that originated from and said, "Hey, where did you hear this?" And he couldn't remember. So maybe to his other mansion or something, <laughs> something like that, right? Well, well they're lucky yeah. they're not in Sri Lanka because they just burn your house down, right? So at least these days, right? So <laughs> or if or like, if you will, oh, please don't protest in front of the house. Like, come on. Man. Or if you work at a Planned Parenthood, they burn your place of work uh, exactly or an abortion clinic <laughs> or if or if you're an abortion provider you know you yep. go into work through the back door wearing a bulletproof vest yeah and that's i mean that's something that discords has missed it's like uh you think life's rough in front of samuel alito's house is a bunch of people chant my body my choice while holding a candle well try going into a planned parenthood somewhere to pick up your birth control pills and having you know billy bob and uh, you know, and the gang scream obscenities at you. So it's, you know, it, let's let's get some per- perspective here. Yeah, which is also assault, right? But yeah, yeah. So th- I mean, this this is just going to be. I feel this is going to be the topic, not specifically for us, but for the. This is going to go for the year and maybe years. It has gone on for years, mm-hmm. but it was it was amazing how just like that, bang, this leak happened, and then all the decks were cleared about what. Uh, what's going to be talked about. So I, I mean, who knows? I, I heard this will, the decision itself will come in June maybe. And I don't know if mm-hmm. this is going to, I was going to say quicken because that's something that came up. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that term in ages, quickening of babies. Do you know this Adam? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. going back to retro laws about, you know, if you couldn't feel it moving, uh, then it, you know, you could get an abortion, but then once the quickening had happened and your baby was or your baby, sorry, your fetus was moving, uh, then you couldn't get an abortion was the way it used to work. And there's been references to that as well. Like that's embedded in laws, like those older laws that I'd mentioned in, uh, in uh, Michigan and um, Wisconsin and all, you know, many, many other States that have it. And that's going to be interesting too. It's like, will the, the States that uphold some level of abortion, mm. uh, cause it is going to fall. This will fall. Like mm-hmm. it's going to go. So mm-hmm. everybody's praying for that. Will there, will there be this exodus of people to other states? Uh, and of course, there will be a lot of people that can't afford to do that. So, of course, what happens? Yeah, it seems to be a good time to get into the leech business, but we'll leave that there. Um, come back after the break and talk about Ontario stuff with Juanita Burnett. You are listening to Open Source Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio.
That was our Royal Cat Records pick of the week. Royal Cat Records, 21 Mactanel in the downtown. That's definitely a vinyl song. I know we have a couple of uh, new wave aficionados out there from 1983. That was a band called Naked Eyes. Be careful when you're Googling things like that to find out about the band called Naked Eyes. The song was Promises, Promises. Perfect for all election seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, very apt. Well done. <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, do be careful Googling Naked Eyes. I'm pretty sure yeah. there are, uh, um, let's just say some adult fiction mm. named after that. Um, anyway. Yeah, I realize you put band after everything. It's fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> band whatever important tip <laughs> dead milkman band um, and then it's fine yeah <laughs> unless unless you're googling two live crew and then it doesn't matter no. um <laughs> all right all this is a great segue to talk to Juanita Burnett who is <clears throat> excuse me somebody's smoking outside my window here oh um she is the Communist Party candidate running in Guelph this election. And a lot of people know Juanita. She's run for the communists before. And she's hoping to make an impact this time, which is pretty difficult because a lot of the, let's say, secondary party candidates aren't getting invited to a lot of the debates. So um, this may be your one chance to hear from Juanita from her own voice. Um, and we encourage you to uh, sit down now and have a listen. We're going to talk about uh, the communist platform and uh, the issues that are important to Juanita and all that good stuff. So we're going to throw it to my interview with Juanita Burnett starting right now. Okay, Juanita Burnett, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's always good to talk with you. Yes, it always, it's always good to talk with you as well, uh, because this is for people who may not know, this is not your first campaign. How many, how many campaigns has this been for you now? It's. Hmm. <laughs> I'll say six, but it could be a little more or a little less. Well, also you've been also been like a campaign manager. So maybe it also feels more than that. They all kind of run into each other. Yeah. All right. So tell tell the audience uh, why you are such a glutton for punishment, as it were, um, <laughs> why, <laughs> why you keep coming back to, to run for, uh, for the Communist Party. OK, uh, two reasons. One of them, something I've learned as an activist is somebody has to do the things. Hmm. And if you stick around, you're often the one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's part of it right but also yeah the uh the communist party you know says what i believe in and a part of being a communist in the party means making sure that the policies are what we believe in mm-hmm. so the, the communist party their, their platform this year is uh, a people's alternative so uh, what does it mean, the, uh, a people's alternative um, in, in terms of this election? Well, it's, alter- it's an alternative to big business, for one, and corporations. But it's also trying to look at how people would rather live their lives. 
So I think people enjoy working, for example, um, but they don't want to be spending all their time working and still not having enough to enjoy their time off. Mm-hmm. Work to live, not live to work. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it struck me as interesting. Um, you know, you brought this up during the last election too, at one of the debates um, where you're talking about, I, I think somebody kind of mocked you a little for promoting $20 minimum wage. And you said, well, $15 minimum wage used to seem kind of silly to people too. Um, one can make the argument that that was an instance where the communist party of Ontario was ahead of the curve. Part of your platform now is a four day work week, which mm-hmm. one of the main political parties, um, not per- perhaps considered widely considered not as far as left wing as the communists, but um, one of the four main parties has stolen that from the communist platform too. <laughs> <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> I'm afraid to ask which one, but liberals, Stephen Del Duca made that uh, announcement that they were going to do a four, four day work week pilot. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> we have all the best ideas. steal these ideas um interestingly from the communist party too but i mean that there is a lot of that and and if people want to take the time and effort to look at the communist party platform i think there's a lot of stuff people might be surprised that they agree with perhaps not everything but some certainly certainly something like mandatory sick days mandatory vacation days four-hour work week um, paying people what they're worth, um, loosening some of that corporate control uh, we're talking about. I mean, I hate to ask, but is, you know, the the word communist kind of a turnoff to some of these ideas, which, you know, the Liberal Party will steal if they, if they want. <laughs> it It can be. But I think also more and more people are calling themselves communists Mm. just just because they've had enough of the capitalist system. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, I think about a 32 hour or 32 hour work week as, you know, back to the whole idea of um, eight hours for work, eight hours for play, eight hours, what you will. Mm. But a little beyond that, because what happened, um, what has happened over time is that, you know, even if you work eight hours a day, you can't often make enough money to live on, to make enough to have the things you need or want. Or work intrudes in the other 16 hours too. It does. And, and the other thing, you know, I work part time, so... Mm. Um, a lot of my other time is spent doing things like this. I, you know, people can be part of various communities. They can be part of um, a group working towards building things or um, just spend more time (laughs) doing worthwhile work even Mm -hmm. and have time for their friends and family. Mm -hmm. One thing that stuck out to me about, with the, the Communist Party platform uh, was housing as a human right. And I've, I've kind of considered this myself in, in 
my own coverage and perhaps you can explain from your point of view um how is how is housing not a human right right this minute and what would it take to make housing a human right from from your point of view <laughs> you mean in practical like a practical right. human right where people actually have all the housing they need right uh well there is a a housing campaign through the party right now. It's housingforpeople.ca. And it has a lot of the things that we believe are needed. Um, but we need 200,000 rent geared to income houses built now. Uh, we need rent controls and we need rent rollbacks because people can't, you know, <laughs> I'm starting to see people buy houses they can't really afford because they can't find a place they can afford to rent. Mm. And that's so wild that people that might have rented before um, end up losing a house down the road and being homeless. And, it, you know, <laughs> it, it should be a basic thing that we need shelter, we need food, we mm -hmm. need safe water, there are things we need. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you can't afford them, and the system keeps working to keep people from getting them, it's just not, it's not right, you shouldn't be paying more than 20% of your income for housing. Mm -hmm. In terms of, you know, getting us to a situation where housing is a bit more of, of, of that human right that we're, we're talking about. I mean, we're, we're also looking at probably a pretty big transition period because some, so many people feel like they have to play in the market and they're probably not wrong. That is the only market there is. There's kind of no big social housing or affordable housing market either, but um, that, that would be a pretty big transition for the economy given the size and scale of, of the housing market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> people need jobs. Like, right. people need jobs because of capitalism. And building houses is a good way to do that. Mm -hmm. So the one feeds into the other. Yeah. And I know I've said it before as well. Like, so much of the platform feeds into other parts of the platform. I think about um, the, you know, mental health, for example, mm. is mm -hmm. health if you can actually have your needs met and have time with people that you want to be with. And um, you don't have to worry about where you're going to sleep, for one thing. I did want to address some of the stuff that I've, I've, I looked at the Communist Party platform and there's some stuff in there that you don't find in every other platform. <laughs> and, <laughs> that's perhaps an obvious statement. But one of them is this idea of um, making entry fees or eliminating entry fees to places like museums and cultural centers and rec facilities. Um, can you explain a bit about the thinking about behind that i mean what's the what what's the the benefit there for for the public well for one thing there aren't a lot of places you can go without spending money 
And that's a challenge um, because people need people. But it's also part of education where you get to do things that are outside of necessarily the, like, that aren't necessarily in the curriculum of schools. Um, and part of just enjoying life. You know, mm. communists work hard, but we also want <laughs> to enjoy our lives. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, under the same portion of that is um, expanding funding for the TVO and the Arts Council of Ontario. Mm-hmm. I have granted I haven't read every party platform. Not every party platform has been released, but uh, that is something I don't see in any other platform. What's what's what? Why, why, why is that a big deal in the Communist Party? It, well, arts and communication are really important to a healthy, happy life. Um, news is really lacking. It's really hard to keep up with news in any simple way. You can't just turn the TV on anymore and watch an hour's news that everybody else watches. It's It's complicated and it's it's tricky. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's true, but um, I mean, would this mean, I, I mean, it almost sounds like we want to turn the TVO into like an Ontario equivalent of the CBC or even maybe better than the CBC. Uh, Cause I know Jesse Brown at Canon has this idea of basically turning CBC into a wire service where it just like sort of feeds into every community. Hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe that's getting beyond what the, <laughs> the communists are thinking (laughs) i don't know i will say when i first moved here i lived in student and family housing at wellington woods Mm. and one of the things we had was tvo that we didn't have to pay for it was like part of the satellite program or something and my kid learned an awful lot on tvo he was a tvo kid (laughs) it was there was such good programming there I mean, there's a lot of programming like that. I mean, something like the the National Film Board, too, which has, uh, you know, if, if you go to school, school boards have access to like a, a complete you, you can get most of the NFB stuff online um, mm-hmm. through their regular app. But if you are uh, through schools, they have access to even more, including like newer documentaries and things. So um, yeah. th- there is that kind of advantage at the, the school level that maybe we could. I don't know, try it, make it a bit more broader, make everybody have equal access, I guess. I like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I, I, I found interesting in the Communist Party platform was uh, getting a new financial deal for cities. Um, could you talk a bit about why the current financial deal for cities is um, unsatisfactory and uh, oh. and how you want to change that? Find the one thing I'm not too sure about. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. I mean, you, you, but you live here. You, you, you know, you are plugged in um, to the goings on of Guelph. I mean, you know, I, I have my own ideas. Granted, you know, sitting in city council every week about you know how the city's funded, but you know, you, I'm sure you do as well. Yeah, you do a lot of good work, and it. I wasn't fishing for that, but thank you. Well, not a lot of <laughs> cities, I don't think, have that have that kind of um, commitment for one thing. Mm. But I will say one thing that is challenging. I've run 
provincially. I've run federally and I've run municipally. Mm-hmm. And one of the really frustrating things is trying to get things done where there's something that's done through the municipality and, um, oh, no, that's a provincial thing. But no, wait, the federal government does this. And if we could find ways to either make it really clear Mm. um, or just stop doing that (laughs) um, and work towards finding ways to meet the needs of the people in a better way. Right. You know, the the cities are kind of on the bottom. There's, you know, federal powers downloaded to provincial powers downloaded to uh, municipal powers and, yeah. Um, but if we tried to reverse that, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, of course. I'm just talking no, out loud. <laughs> that's that could be a very good way to do it because you know, we live in the city. We don't live all across the province. Like mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um I wanted to ask you about you know uh, the the job of like campaigning. And one of the things I've noticed is that if you're not one of the four major parties in Guelph, you're kind of having a hard time participating in these all candidates events this time are just, first of all, have you been invited to any of the, I know of at least half a dozen debates that are, that are going on. Have you been invited to any of them? Yeah, no, no? I, I not. No. Um, I, I am going to be at the, Guelph and Wellington, Guelph Wellington Coalition for Social Justice candidates meeting tomorrow night. That's Thursday Uh, as this airs, just so people know. Yeah, sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We know where we're at. Um, (laughs) It was, I was a little disappointed, I'm not going to lie, that the the breezy breakfast candidates Mm. meeting tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, um, that I wasn't invited to that. And that's kind of disappointing because I've been a regular breezy breakfaster for quite a while. And I've been as, there. As, you mean as a citizen, not as a, as a candidate. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But also as a candidate often, mm. um, I think the pandemic has really changed a lot of things and made a lot of things harder. Mm. Um, in some ways, Zoom has helped in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but there are, there are limits to what we can actually do and what people think we can actually do sometimes. So, yeah, I, I guess maybe some of us organizing these debates, uh, think having seven people on the same screen is a lot and make certain decisions that we wouldn't make if it was an in-person um, or or more in person, but even that that is fraught too because you don't have some uh, as many people in the same room as well. Um, yeah. So so I mean you know you're, you're running for the communist party. You're used to being sort of on the back foot, but I mean has that even you know put you even in in your sort of campaign calculations even further behind? You're having to fight for even more airtime when there isn't that opportunity to engage with the the group. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I'll see what kind of opportunities we have to ask questions tomorrow morning. But um, Mm -hmm. it's disappointing when 
I feel like some of the events happened before the writ even dropped and, you know, getting 25 signatures on a piece of paper is not that difficult, but it Mm -hmm. is trying to do it immediately in a pandemic (laughs) when you're a small party. Right. I I do wonder if looking back, will certainly I've been feeling it as someone who organizes campaign things as a, as a reporter uh, all of this happened, even though we were expecting it, it all happened a little quickly, at least the, the starting, the, the starting gate, I guess. Yeah. It, it jumped up on us. <laughs> <laughs> it jumped up on us, even though we were all expecting it. It's true. Yeah. Um, I like to ask this question for every candidate, every campaign, but what's an issue that you are worried isn't going to get the proper airtime in the campaign or it's going to be buried by other things, you know, what, what do you want this campaign to be about personally? Mm -hmm. Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Housing is an obvious thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing we have in our platform is to reduce funding for policing Mm. and demilitarize the police. I think that would be something that, For one thing, if we had more supports in other places, maybe we wouldn't need police as much. But I think the militarization of police is really frightening in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other thing I'm thinking a lot about is, well, (laughs) everything. Um, I was going to say women's issues. And Mm. (laughs) I've been working on the Gender Equity Commission at the at the party. Um, And we've been doing a lot of great stuff, but there hasn't been a real strong women's movement in a long time. And Mm. especially with news coming out of the States, it's long past due. Right. But the other thing I realize is everything is a women's issue, like (laughs) housing, um, labor, you know, we really need to get rid of bill 124. It's, it's offensive that public, public often healthcare workers and people we've counted on for the last two years are still stuck at um, this one percent limit. And right. you know, I I work at the library, and after I think I'm going into my 14th year there, which is awesome. I love the job, but I currently make 72 cents over minimum wage. Mm. And that seems like not enough. Like (laughs) I know justice for workers is fighting for $20 an hour. We're fighting for 23 because that's what people really need. And on the other hand, um, we had to fight for, you know, (laughs) 15 to get 10 at one point. Right. Right. And it's worth pointing out to uh, the uh, the Guelph Wellington um, Poverty Elimination Task Force pegs a living wage in Guelph at I think eighteen dollars and ten cents. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I did get to fill out their survey, which was really great. Okay, yeah. good. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> at least they are recognizing the efforts of the Communist Party, as we are. But since we are running out of time. Um, I guess 
what what do you think the goal is of the Communist Party this election? Uh, I mean, there are 12 candidates, which mm-hmm. if everything goes right, would get you official party status um, in the in <laughs> Queen's Park. But um, assuming everything doesn't go uh, your way, uh, you know, what do you hope to, to get out of the election or what do you hope to like to hope make a priority or make other make voters think about this election? I think for one thing we get to, there are some places where we actually get to put our platform forward and have people think about things a little differently. The other thing uh, in the last couple of years, we've had so many new people come in. Mm. It's been a real learning experience for, for the new people. And, you know, I like to think we'll have more than 12 in the next election, just because there are so many new people that are so, so solid, but they need experience. Right. Elections. And we need, sorry, we need experience too, because <laughs> right. it's a whole new challenge. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was going to say, elect people underestimate elections as sort of uh, preparation for whatever comes after this, uh, this election, you know, t- today's. Uh, campaign workers are tomorrow's candidates. Yeah. Um, well, unfortunately, we are kind of out of time, but I, I do want to give you an opportunity to tell people where they can find more information about you or the campaign or the, the platform, anything we've talked about today. Where can people find that on the internet? Oh, so communistpartyontario.ca is our website, and I think all of that information should be there. Oh, also housingforpeople.ca is our housing campaign. Okay, perfect. Juanita, I'm so glad we got a chance to talk, even if other people are ignoring you, they're meanie bobinis, but I'm glad you got a chance to come on Open Sources. Thank you. I'm really glad too. It's nice to get to hang out for a little bit. Yes, it is. Alrighty, and that was Juanita Burnett. And just a reminder to everyone that Election Day is June 2nd, and we're going to continue with our candidate interviews. And since we're rapidly running out of time and everyone wanted to be interviewed in the last two weeks, um, we're going to have two interviews for next week's show. We're going to have the NDP candidate James Barr and returning champion Mike Schreiner of the Green Party. So stay tuned for that next week. Right on. The wheels are turning. The wheels are indeed turning. And that is it for this week's show. We hope you liked it. And if you want to stay connected to us at our website, uh, you can find it at opensourcesquelf.com. We're on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire. And we're on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. If you would like to listen to the show again, you can download it from our website every Monday. You can get it at the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. Uh, you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, or you can check out my news and politics site at GuelphPolitico.ca. I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Scotty Hertz on Twitter. And for all things CFRU, particularly when fantastic shows are on, check out CFRU.ca slash shows. But all we doing election night, sir. Oh, indeed. <laughs> I just thought we, it just occurred to me we should start promoting that. That we're, going to yes. be going, that we're going to be live to air on election night. Join us. We usually kick off about an hour before the polls close, but not certain yet. But June 2nd, we will be on with a star-studded panel as usual. <laughs> All right. And speaking of star-studded, you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3, 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. 
We will return next Thursday at 5 p.m. for another edition of Open Sources Guelph, and we will see you then. 